This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Jikoji. Kind of feels like a spring day out there, doesn't it? It's had some good weather. Um, we uh, we are entering an uh, uh, interesting time at Jikoji. Um, we've just finished with a our traditional. Uh, one of our traditional winter sashins um, called uh, Nehane uh, that was led by that was led by uh, Carolyn Dilly and she talked about the precepts and uh, there was a, a week a whole week of intensive sitting um, and this uh, we also introduced our Shuso for the practice period, which is going to be Connie. Uh, she's going to be our, our practice leader for this, uh, what's called a winter practice period. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, it has been mislabeled as a spring practice period, but traditionally it's a, it's a winter practice period. And if, from the original Sangha, um, the original Sangha of the Buddha, they, uh, as the Sangha grew, uh, people practiced in various, various places. Um, some people practiced actually independently, just by themselves in the woods. Um, there were other small groups that practiced uh, together, and, and some larger groups practiced together. But uh, in India, as you might know, the monsoon season is a, the rainy season, so the winter. And in the winter season, the, the monks would, and, mon, and nuns would, um, this, these monastic communities would convene and come to the place where the Buddha was in residence and do what's called a, uh, a practice, what we call now a practice period. In Japanese, it's called ango. Um, and it would be a time of intensive uh, practice, a little a time when they would not only come together and hear the teachings of the, of the Buddha, but uh, they would also uh, reconnect with their precepts, as we did with Carolyn, reconnect with their original uh, vows or how they existed in relationship, how they existed in the world. And they would... Um, They'd practice together. They they do a lot of meditation together, and so that's what that's what we have um, in store for us here at uh, Jikoji Land. Um, our, we've got a practice period uh, happening. Um, so for the practice period is, is started with with this session that we just had, and it will. Um, it will continue uh, through the month of February and the month of March and end with um, the, our April session, which is uh, the 
session of uh, the Buddha's birthday session on the first uh, first week of April. So um, that's that's our plan, and uh, that's our intention, and um, for. I don't know. Maybe we'd, you'd like to talk a little bit about about the ango, about the practice practice period. Is this going to feed back with your mic? Sounds okay. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Yeah. My um, one of this these end practices that I've learned over the years is if you just keep quiet, the other person will talk. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe I'll just keep quiet. <laughs> maybe you should talk and I'll keep quiet. <laughs> Touche. So, um, so as, as Michael said, we're, we're entering this um, uh, winter ongo, or as it's in the websites, since we're having such wonderful weather, it's, we're calling it a spring ongo. Um, and uh, so... We do have like a regular practice here at Chikoji. We sit, um, we get up at 5.30 and we sit um, from 6 to 6.40 and we do a service, we meet, we have breakfast. So, um, and then we sit in the evening as well. And so what we're, we're doing the same thing, and, and, but we're just beefing it up a little. So instead of just one period of zazen in the morning, we're sitting two periods of zazen. The second one is 30 minutes, and then we have a little bit of soji time. So soji is uh, temple cleaning. And so 20 minutes of soji, or if if there's no soji, well, there's always soji to do, but, but there's the option of study period too. So we have a, a text that we're studying for the um, for the practice period, which is kind of a traditional thing as well. Um, there's a, a study and discussion of, of a Buddhist text, and what um, what we're studying for this one is the paramitas, um, also called the six perfections. And they existed from very on in Buddhism um, as the the way of the bodhisattva. These are the qualities that bodhisattvas use in their lives to express their vow of saving all beings. And it's kind of the natural character traits that they have and that they actively cultivate. Or actually, how you know a bodhisattva is they they just have these qualities in, in great measure. And we, um, we know like bodhisattvas are almost like Buddhas. They're basically, they've reached this enlightened state, but they've made the vow to keep returning to live in the world with us deluded people, deluded beings and to save each one of us. And, um, and then when they, everyone has been saved or liberated, then they can join with, together we go to the other shore, beyond 
beyond, beyond our gate, gate, paragate, as we say at the end of the Heart Sutra, going beyond, going beyond, beyond, um, to the, uh, the other shore, nirvana. And uh, that's the release from samsara, this endless wheel of suffering that we, um, we exist in. So um, I'd like to tell a story briefly about um, the, the big bodhisattva, Avalokiteshvara. So when uh, the Buddha was enlightened and went to nirvana, which we call parinirvana, and the session we practiced in uh, last week was the parinirvana session, also the nehane session, and it kind of... Um, celebrates uh, or you know it's it's a reflection on that that period of the the Buddha's passing and um, so the Buddha um, was talking to Avalokiteshvara and told him you know I you're ready you're ready to come over to Nirvana to come over to the other shore so so um, so why don't you come over tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock? And <laughs> <laughs> so Avalokiteshvara said, sure. And, um, and so Avalokiteshvara was walking along the path to the river where he was going to get in a boat and go across the shore to Nirvana land. And uh, he saw a little kitten on the side of the path <coughs> crying. The little kitten was lost. Um, and... Uh, he picked the kitten up and tucked it in his robes, got in the boat and paddled over and stepped into nirvana and met the Buddha. And the Buddha said, well, welcome, but um, you're welcome to be here. But I'm sorry, you know, this little one has to go back. It still has work to do. And Avalokiteshvara looked at the kitten and said, well, if it's going back, I'm going back to <laughs> So the Buddha said, well, if you're going to do this work, um, I'm going to give you something. So when Avalokiteshvara got back to the other shore, um, he manifested with a thousand arms and a thousand eyes and five heads coming out of his head. <laughs> he had all these powers now to see all beings and to grab them and tuck them into his robes. <laughs> so that, that's um, what we aspire to as bodhisattvas practicing the way. And uh, so the six perfections are um, broken into the first three, which are generosity, ethical conduct or morality, and patience or forbearance, and they are kind of the foundation of um, of the practice life. They help strengthen your meditation, they help strengthen your wisdom, and they help to strengthen your uh, heroic energy. And those are the the next three paramitas. So, so. Um, Paramita means just going beyond, and we have an idea of what generosity is, what ethical conduct is, what uh, tolerance is, all of these things. We have these ideas, and we work them into our practice, 
but as we continue on with our practice, our understanding of them deepens and it goes beyond, and it keeps doing that. And the last perfection, the perfection of wisdom, also called the prajna paramita, is in a, in a sense, it is the enlightened state. It is that understanding that we're all one and interconnected. And so that perfection is also, they're all, uh, well, all of the perfections kind of relate to another and that one is kind of at the top and it touches all of them. So it'll be really wonderful to study these and um, I invite you all to take a look at um, this book. You know, we have some in our community room um, for sale. And there's a couple other books that I brought that are also on the six perfections. One is The World Could Be Otherwise by Norman Fisher. And uh, Reb Anderson's book, this just recently came out, called Entering the Mind of Buddha. Uh, the is that on the Paramitas as well? Yes. Yeah. Huh. So um, yeah. this this one, Dale Wright's book, talks about uh, the perfection to, uh, perfections as a way of of cultivating your character, the character of your being, and um, and Norman's book is like cultivating your imagination. <laughs> So, and Reb's book is about cultivating the appropriate response. And they could all be seen as the same thing, but, um, but they all, so each book has its own kind of um, way of approaching the paramitas, and they're all very good. So um, we'll be meeting on Wednesday nights to discuss this, and I think the first Wednesday uh, coming up in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this week, we'll discuss the first chapter of this book, and it'll be on generosity. So, if you um, if you are reading any of these other books, I you know you're welcome to come and uh, and give a perspective on generosity. Um, either of these books are worthy of of study, and. Um, so that'll be like at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We'll start with a, a potluck dinner and um, discuss the book, discuss the chapter, and then we'll come to the zendo and sit for 30 minutes, and then um, we'll conclude with the poly refuges and three prostrations. So all are welcome to practice together uh, with us in the practice period. and. Some of you will have a hard time. Would you know? Wouldn't it's easy for us residents to participate in the schedule? But those of you who don't live here um, can maybe make up a, a plan on your own on how much you want to practice on your own. Maybe you have a sitting schedule and you just want to push it a little bit, or you don't have a sitting schedule and you want to develop one. You can work with, I, I'd be happy to help you with coming up with something and, um, and doing it at home um, so that you can, uh, and then join us for Sashin if you can. So that is um, yeah, kind of an outline of what we're going to do. And uh, Michael, do you have any other suggestions about what I might have left out? Um, one thing I could say is that uh, 
Connie, Connie will be our practice leader, our senior student uh, throughout this time. And um, so she's available um, to help set up a home practice if you'd like to set up a home practice with her. It's kind of, uh, it could be a verbal agreement or it could be, you could write a contract and sign it. Um, um, or, or it could be just, um, an under, just an understanding that you have, an intention. Um, but it, but either, whatever, however it is for you, um, Connie's available to help help with that. And also uh, throughout this month, she's available to be a a kind of guide or counselor or give some advice about about practice and about understanding the paramitas. Um, so you can set up a uh, a time with her to have have tea and discuss. Um, the paramitas or discuss your practice uh, during this time as well. Um, so again, this is a time of um, a little more intensive practice, to traditional, and we're keeping this tradition of, of a little more intensive practice. So I encourage you, whether you do it formally or informally, to, um, to participate and, and join in this practice. It's really a good way to kind of have, have this more intensive time. We also have a session in the middle of it. We have a Vermalakute session, a small weekend session as well. And uh, um, but I think the thing that's really important is that if people can come for the Wednesday, um, we have a little potluck supper and then we, a uh, very social time, and then we can um, get together up in the community space and, and dis discuss this, uh, the paramitas and then end, end the day with a little practice, end the evening with a little practice. So that's good. Um, so the, para, the paramitas, um, I think we can both talk about this a little bit in a general sense. Um, the paramitas uh, developed a little bit later in Buddhism, um, and it, it's a compilation of, of, of virtuous, uh, of virtuous uh, uh, qualities and, virtu and a virtuous character. Um, there's another compilation uh, called the Apramanas. Uh, they're also called the um, Brahmaviharas, the divine abodes. But the Apramanas, I think, fits very well for both of these, both of these sets of virtuous action. The Apramanas mean that they're immeasurable. In other words, you can't you can't measure you can't measure these attributes. Not only can't you you can't measure them, you can't finish them. You know, like Connie was saying about Avalokiteshvara going back, um, you, there, there's, you just keep doing them. So there, you don't, it's not like you do something and you're done with it. And then you, I'm, hey, I'm done with generosity. I was, I gave some money and I'm done with generosity. It's not like that. It's they're they're immeasurable, and um, these are these are attributes that are in. 
you could say, are the, are the natural uh, manifestations of the practice life. So um, there's two attitudes we can have toward these attributes. And I think both apply to, to them and both apply to ourselves at certain times in our life. Um, one attitude that we can have about these attributes is, um, is that they're, they're the natural functioning, they're the natural functioning of us as social beings and as beings that are, that have the will to know, that have the will to be real. So I would say that most of us, maybe all of us in this room, are here because we have an inclination, we have the, we have the, and the aptitude uh, to, to be real. Um, we know, we know that there's, we could say, we know we haven't been given the whole story. We could say, we know, we know there's something missing. We know there's, we know there's still work to be done. We know there's the condition, there's, there's conditioned existence, uh, not just birth and death, but um, all the conditions of our life. We know that there's a, um, we know that, that we're work in progress. And there's this natural inclination, this natural impetus to be real, to be, to be authentic persons, to be complete, and this, this, these six perfections are like a, uh, like a map or like a, um, like someone opening something and finding that there's these, these six petals to this flower. There's, th this is a way, this is a way to um, realize this, this impetus we have to be real, to be authentic and to be complete in the in this true sense of of, uh, of what I would call a religious life or an intentional life and the Apramanas does too could you explain the, what the Apramanas are uh, the up it's a, it's like the six perfections so it's Kind of, you could say it's overlapped in a way, but the apramanas are um, are uh, huh, I've got a blank now. The apramanas, the metta, metta is the first one, right? Metta, loving kindness. Mudita is the Loving kindness is is the first one. Uh, mudita is empathic joy or empathic well-being, um, and the third one is uh, karuna, compassion, um, um, to f to be with, to suffer with, or to be with others, and uh, the fourth one that's kind of a Kind of the summation or the wraparound of the apramanas is upeksha or equanimity, equanimity. So, 
So that's another kind of set like this uh, and of the Bodhisattva way of the, of the way. Something to think about in this, in, under, in bringing these six perfections into our life, the, the paramitas, or taking on these attributes of the apramanas, is uh, acknowledging to ourselves uh, a kind of intentionality. In other words, like we oftentimes in our lives um, are not aware of our actual our actual will or our intention. It's it's obscured from us. We're we're in the midst of our daily life, which is busy, and uh, and full of uh, interesting and diverting and confusing and flooding senses of, of things and, and um, events. And we're not, a, we're not really aware of our, uh, that behind this is a kind of, uh, besides the will to live, is a kind of will, uh, a kind of deep intentionality. And those of us that are here now, um, I would say that we're here because we have that we have that aspect within us, the sense of uh, of being real, of being complete, of of being authentic. Um, so I think it's I think it's time as we approach these six perfections that we acknowledge that we actually we're actually choosing to do this. We're choosing. We're choosing to look at what, at our intentions. It's called a chetana in Sanskrit, and this this word is really really big. It means um, uh, besides choice, besides just purely ch- choosing something, it also means um, to have an intention, to have an aspiration. Um, to have the will to actually affect something, to, um, to have the energy, the virya that's in the six perfections, the energy, the vitality to actually make, make this happen, the wisdom and understanding to know what's going on. Um, so it's, as we approach these paramitas, it's important for us to actually acknowledge that I... I chose to come to Chikochi this morning. I chose to, I chose to lead a religious life, or I chose to, at least, you know, come and see what it's like. You know, get a flavor of it. I'm curious. I, I haven't. I made. I made a choice. I made an intention, and that I think it's important that us that we realistically approach our intention, and. Um, and say, yes, I did, I did this. I came here. I chose to come here. I wasn't um, delivered by a bus. I drove here, so to speak. I mean, metaphorically speaking. Maybe you did come in a bus. Did you come? anyone come in a bus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
In other words, like you're your own agent, you know? You're, you, 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 you're the boss of your life. You chose to, you chose this path. And I'd, I'd like us, as we, as we meet these paramitas, I'd, I'd like us to carry that with us, this intentionality um, of, of, of a practice life, of a, what I would call an intentional life, an intentional life. There's another approach. I was I mentioned that there's two approaches. There's another approach to this, which is very interesting, um, and a little more mm, open-ended or risky, in a sense, which is um, to approach these these um, perfections or these these attributes, these positive attributes, um, by elimination. Uh, and this is uh, this is kind of a little an aside, a little bit of an aside. But um, the, in early Buddhism, they talked about the um, the attributes of an arhat, the attributes of a realized being. And the attributes of an arhat is is an arhat had uh, released the outflows, released released. They're, they're called. Uh, um, Uh, apramanas, apramanas, I think, apramanas, yeah, in Sanskrit, um, which means uh, the obscurations. So there's, um, in other words, in early Buddhism, they, they talked about uh, the various things that kept you from, from naturally manifesting as a bodhisattva, uh, to naturally express yourself in these paramitas. So they said, um, uh, actually, uh, besides the apramanas, there were the three kleshas or the three poisons. So uh, the idea is, what would happen if you, if you dropped off the three poisons, if you released yourself from the three poisons, attachment, aversion and delusion. What would your life be like if you totally released yourself from all attachments, from all aversions and all delusions, from greed, hate, and delusion? Those are the, those are the four. It sounds difficult, right? But the question would be, what remains? What's left after, after those negative attributes uh, are gone from your life, or not, not functioning in your life, and you you'd the the obvious answer would be that you would manifest yourself in these six perfections. These six perfections would be the natural expression of your life with the kleshas gone, or the five uh, obscurations. You know, if those are gone. So in early Buddhism, they had these lists of the the the, the three poisons, uh, the five obscurations, uh, the uh, um, avaranas. Um, so that's another 
way of actually approaching the six perfections rather than to take them on as, um, as kind of intentional um, things that you're going to do or look at or study to actually um, drop off anything that obscures you from those attributes. And the, the proposal is what remains in your life will be these six perfections. in theory. <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to just add um, this book by Norman Fisher, The World Could Be Otherwise. Mm. He, um, he has, at the end of each chapter, he has practices, so ways to work with the six exercises per yeah. or something. Yeah. So, Half of them are uh, meditation practices, and the other half are physical, in the world practices. And so how you how you're in relationship with something yeah, or something yeah. like that. Oh. So, for example, say generosity. Uh, a way to practice that in your meditation would be to um, be generous with the sensations you're having, or your impatience with yourself, or your um, uh, whatever uh, difficulties are coming up for you, like um, frustration with another person or pain in your um, knees, you just you would be, you know, generously giving attention to that, and um, and then put generous with your awareness of it, and then feel the generosity of the space around you to allow those things to be just within you. Um, and then, so that would be a way to work with it, work with generosity in your practice, um, in your meditation. And then uh, generosity uh, in your relationship would be um, call a friend that you know is having trouble with something or um, uh, g give your, you know, smile at people. <laughs> there's, there's a whole uh, list of ways you can be. Did, did he list uh, a number of, yeah, like yeah. examples and things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's... Um, so you, should, you should give us all assignments. Would you give us assignments? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, so again, like uh, he says, he's very careful to say, if any of these practices are uncomfortable, um, please don't do them. But if you are intrigued by them, please give them a try. So I'll read a few. Um, so for generosity. Here, let me, can I, um, can I hold that for you? Meditation practices, exchange self, exchange of self for other. Settle with body and breath. Now imagine another person sitting across from you. Reflect that she or he, like you, wants to live, not die. Wants to be happy, not miserable. 
feel yourself and the other person at this basic human level beyond particulars. Now with each exhale, imagine yourself as the other person and the other person is you. See, the, see that body across the room as this body yourself and see this body as that body. Don't expect this to work out perfectly or exactly, but keep trying to exchange self for other. After a while, simply return to following the breath. A daily life practice. To, to exchange oneself for others. Could you expand on that a bit? Well, um, it's something, uh, it's called empathy. <laughs> empathy? Empathy? <laughs> Isn't that empathy? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think we know what empathy is, right? Yeah. It's very important, especially if you're feeling angry towards somebody, mm. to uh, ex put yourself in their sh shoes and try to see the situation from their perspective. And then you might see that your perspective is, can... Is limited, at least. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do something every day for your health and well-being. Meditation, exercise, healthy diet. Transfer merit. At the end of the day, offer whatever goodness you might have generated during the day to someone you know who is sick or having a personal challenge and might need the help. Offer the stock of goodness to everyone in the world who is suffering. Offer it to yourself. Alternatively, do something intentionally that would generate goodness. A few moments of reading a spiritual text, chanting, offering incense at an altar, if you have a home altar, and offer the goodness as above. So, again, a lot of these are imagination practices, and they help develop your, your mind to look at things in a really large way, in a way where you're not controlling it, for example, like, oh, I'm going to give you this gift and you're going to be happy, you know, that's a kind of, and I'm going to, you know, be a better person for it. That's a kind of controlling generosity. And these are... You didn't really give the gift. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And he also, one of the other things Norman says about giving is you can give things like... Um, like a smile, or, or like a, a field of flowers, or um, you know, like a, a just even something that's not yours. You just kind of you can point. Like Jero does this all the time. Um, he uh, he just points things out that you wouldn't notice yourself. You know, you might not notice yourself. You know, just just really interesting things, or, um, yeah, uh, that's uh, doing something for someone without any sense of, oh, I'm going to get something back out of this, you know. 
I think uh, it keeps, um, so, you know, there's the very physical level of giving money to um, an organization that you believe is doing good work or um, being active uh, in the world um, to uh, support legislation for climate change or uh, equal rights and uh, and that's that's good but there's but as these are paramitas they go beyond and so so when Norman's talking about these spiritual offerings like just going to the altar and offering incense and having a prayer for peace in your mind that um, that those are also uh, radical acts of generosity they're um, they're they're kind of maybe working in a in an area where you know we're not really aware of what the good is but it's it's contributing to the world or it, it takes some faith perhaps Well, um, that's a big topic, and we'll be talking about, you'll be talking, we'll all be talking about um, first um, dana, generosity, then uh, uh, sila, or uh, good conduct, appropriate conduct, and then uh, kashanti, patience, so throughout the, this, these two months. And then uh, what's next? Vir virya, energy, and uh, the next one is samadhi, um, which is meditative, meditative absorption or meditative um, practice, and finally um, prajna, wisdom. So one one by one, although they're they're all integrated, as you said, right? They're all mm, connected. Um, We'll be going through those in this next, in our practice period. So please join us as you can. And uh, um, if you'd like to ramp up your practice at home, please see um, Connie and she can help you get that going. And uh, come Wednesday nights, six o'clock, and uh, also on the, for the Sunday program as well. And, uh, um, will keep the way going. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jokoji, please visit us on the web at jikoji.org.